Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, the podcast run by the guys that run everything else. Um, today, Chris is not with me because he was on vacation when we recorded this. So that was kind of sad, but I got to go down to um, a show, got to go see uh, um, the front of house and monitor guys for the 1975 and um jay and francois were awesome to talk to super great guys if you're i would recommend going to see this show it sounded so great that i cannot explain to you with my words how great it was it was just smooth tight clean punchy just super young it was like a melted gummy bear that i just wanted to eat the entire time um, but yeah, they were really nice guys. Um, if you ever, if you ever see them on the road, I'd, again, go to the show and stop by and say hi to Jay or Francois. Um, they were super accommodating, um, super friendly guys. Um, we're basically best friends now. No big deal. Um, but yeah, I got to go see them a few weeks ago. And so this episode is just going to be me interviewing them in one of the green rooms backstage. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation, um, and then we'll be back here in a few weeks. But see you guys later, and enjoy the conversation. Okay, well, I'm here with uh, Jay Rigby and Francois Paré. Yep. And, um, well, why don't you guys do this? I always, we always get people to say, like, hey, if I'm sitting next to you on an airplane, and I'm like, hey, what do you do? You know, so maybe not like a one snippet, but just a short little paragraph on like, hey, what do you guys do? So maybe Jay, you start off like, so I'm on, we're on an airplane. What do you do? What do you do, man? So uh, I'm a front of house engineer, tour with uh, bands doing the live sound for them. Um, so pretty much, I guess what that entails is making it louder for the audience mm-hmm. for, from the very basic level people who don't know what, um, what live sound is uh we have a soundboard and uh we get all the the inputs from the stage out there and i kind of mix it to make it sound like the band or kind of what their vision is for how they want the audience to experience their show yeah and what do you say when you don't want to talk to someone and they ask you what you do uh i'd tell them i'm in the traveling chess club okay and uh, <laughs> that normally shuts them up pretty right. quick. Yeah. Okay, Francois, what about you? I'm, I'm a monitor engineer and or, or, RF or, coordinator. Or I tell them I'm a monitor guy. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of that on the show, I feel like, but oh, it's welcomed. Oh, gosh, we're getting interference. If, for those listening on Hi-Fi stereo headphones, there's a uh, Coke machine in this green room that is buzzing really loudly, but it's great. It yeah. adds to the thing. But Francois, you tell me. Yes, yeah, so I, I do monitors. So basically, he does what people hear in the crowd. Yep. I do what people hear on stage. Yep. So, you know, every musician has a different mix, hear different things. And then I also coordinate all the radio frequencies on, um, okay. on stage. So yeah, I'm the RF guy as well. Okay, cool. What are you using to do that? Uh, I use uh, different scanners. And some software to coordinate everything. Mm-hmm. So I use uh, a TTI scanner and the uh, Accent, uh, Sure Accent scanner. And I also uh, use uh, either Workbench or IAS, which is two software to uh, help me coordinate. Yeah, cool. These um, well, let's do this. Jay, how'd you get to do this? Where you got, where you got, I think you're a Jersey guy, right? There's a slight Jersey accent, I feel like. Wow. But tell Call me. It. Called out the Jersey uh, I mean, I looked up where you were from too, but you do have a, a slight Jersey accent. I mean, how'd you get here? Do you go to school? Um, I had some uh, friends in middle school who were uh, 
doing some AV type things. And I was hanging out with him after school and help him set up a microphone, do stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, played drums as well when I was growing up. So it was always in bands. What was your first drum set? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was a Pearl Export, okay. uh, Emerald Green. Nice. Yep. Still have it actually somewhere. Really? I haven't seen it in a while, but it's floating around somewhere. Okay. Um, and then we had uh, we decided that we we're going to start buying some sound stuff for our band. And then they wanted us to do like Battle of the Bands. And so we kept buying more and more sound stuff. And then got to the point where we were in high school where we owned like, you know, 48 channel consoles and a splitter and full on Camlock distro. We were doing like crawfish festivals and stuff wow. as, as kids, but we couldn't drive because we didn't have licenses. Wait, crawfish festivals in Jersey? In Jersey, yeah. Are crawfish popular there? Not really, which is actually surprising. That's probably why the high school kids are doing the sound. And so not you guys, <laughs> yeah, you guys own the market on that. Yeah, yeah, crawfish. yeah. We're the crawfish Same. guys. That okay. that and a uh, um, relay for life's as well. Okay. Um, what was your band name? Uh, the band was called Nine to Five. Okay. And uh, so started doing that, and it got to the point where uh, I was going to go to college, and I was either. Uh, um, Either continue the business. My parents like I had to become like an LLC or a uh, you know to incorporate. Or so I ended up selling all the stuff. Went to school. Started working for a sound company out there, which is like a pretty big regional company. You moved. Where is that? Out uh, in Long Island. Okay. And then uh, uh, while I was at, I uh, started working at a venue in New York called Terminal Five. I was a house guy there. And then uh, one of my friends needed um, someone to come out and do a couple shows with them uh, on tour. So I did that. And then that band was called As Tall as Lions. So I ended up touring with them for about a year and a half, and then we uh, supported this band, Cagey Elephant. Okay. And then they needed a monitor guy, so I started touring with them, and then from there I just kept. So you were a monitor guy. Start, yep, start, yeah. Okay. Yep. And that's actually how Francois and I met probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. Was I was at Terminal 5, and he came through with Passion Pit. They did uh, three nights there, and he was, I remember he was deathly sick. Yeah, I was. I was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Francois, what about you? What's your uh, my background? Yeah, how'd you get here? Well, I I started. I, I was born in Montreal, and uh, I was uh, I was a musician. I was a drummer. I was a session drummer. Okay. What was your first drum set? My first drum set. Well, it was pretty terrible, really. It was a, a CB seven hundred percussion. Yeah, like a no name kind of thing. Okay. And it was huge though. Like two kick, seven toms, like. My dad was like... Your first set was... Oh, yeah, it was huge. Wow. I was seven years old. I couldn't even reach anything. If it doesn't have oh my two gosh. kick drums, it's not a drum kit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, whatever. And then, um, yeah, so I, I did all kinds of stuff. I went to university and music and all stuff. I uh, went to MI in, uh, in, in Hollywood. Um, and I ended up like just working as different bands, whatever. Did a lot of recordings. I did cruise mm-hmm. ships, just house bands, stuff like that. Yeah. And then... Um, Funny enough, I hated monitor guys. So after a while, I was just like, you know what? I, 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 never, I don't like what they're giving me. Uh-huh. So I, I bought a little Mackie, and I was like, you got to give me tails. And yeah. then I do my own mix. Then I had like outboard, like I mean, galore, like I mean, gate compression. I mean, I was just like, my rack was like becoming like huge. And I was right. just like, this is stupid. Uh-huh. Anyway, so we uh, carried on. And um, I kind of, I, I overdid the whole drumming thing. And I, I, I'm, I met somebody in England. So I moved to England um, and started doing sound for bars or whatever. And um, I kind of swapped careers, mm-hmm. just the early 2000s, late 90s. I just kind of swapped careers just because I couldn't deal with 
doing drums anymore. I just had enough. You know? So that's because cymbals were too expensive. Well, yeah. that yeah. When you break your and, first cymbal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I um, I ended up like um, you know going to school and just learning to, more about you know audio and yeah. and then I, I was doing like just uh, like I said just part time bar you know like doing sound different bars whatever. Yeah. Got a, a job in uh, in a company. I got like you know a reference from somebody that, that was going on a ship, and he's like, "Oh, call this dude." So it was a regional company in England. I did, uh, and within three months, I was the the uh, um, chief engineer there, and I just kind of kept going, you know. Yeah. And then here we are, you know, just started like getting calls, and here, here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, we need to get right to the meat and potatoes of really what this podcast is about, and it's about drum reverbs mainly. Right. And so I just want to know, let's talk about just your, um, maybe you're just your generic thoughts on drum reverbs, and then how much time um, are you spending on drum reverbs, and then what are you using? I just want to know everything about okay, the most important what you guys are thing. Doing. There's there's a, there's a unit that you need. It's a it's made by Yamaha. SPX 990. Okay. That's important. That's yeah. your first one. Preset 19. That's Preset a, that's 19. Okay. Big snare. All right. Put that on your snare. That fattenum, especially for ears. Uh-huh. You know, so that will just bring your snare, just, just going to give it a bit of body and a bit of length to, yeah. to that snare. And then usually I will use either a plate or a hall on top of it for my snare, just to kind of give it a bit more... You know, it's yeah. just a, a bigger kind of, and just depending on like what the song is. If it's a fast song, obviously a shorter one. If it's a yeah. ballad, then just go nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, big so, hall. So on, on 1975, Francois, how many uh, how many reverb or effects units do you have on George's drum kit? Three, just okay. three, just three, wow. just three. Are you what are you, are you doing anything on the returns there? Like, are you EQing them? Or are you just really just going off that preset? That's me. That's awesome. Send it. Make it louder. Okay, and you said you were using like a hall on top of that? Yeah. So what's the, what's the idea there that you're Just kind to, of layering them? Well, so I, I kind of like to uh, create like a... So it's, this is a live gig. Yep. So for me, in the ears, I want to reproduce. I want to... Like a live gig, you know? Like I don't want it to sound like a studio because it, it's too small or whatever. So, yeah. you know, you think of like the, the artist wants to be like, he's an arena, so let's make it sound like it's an arena. Right. So I kind of get that that drum reverb. I mean, on, on different artists, we had uh, this drummer who wanted to sound like John Bonham. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, we're on a gig, and I can't really give you room mics. Yeah. So I started like putting like reverbs on like overheads and stuff just to kind of give him the impression, and I I, I managed to do it. You know, I just. I that one I had like I think it was like five or six like reverbs yeah. on this kit. Oh wow! But you know, just different things and just make it like you try to kind of. It has to be coherent, uh-huh. you know. So like you can't have like example like a huge reverb on the snare and then your toms are dead. Yeah. And it's like well, what's this? There's no coherence to your thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I won't put a. I, I don't put reverbs on the kick drum because that's that's a no no. Okay. Or hi at what are you doing? Okay. You know, but like toms and you know like just make it. I don't know. Probably yeah. helps for for Francois too, because he played drums for so long uh-huh. that uh, you know. I feel like I feel like that's kind of your your specialty is the, is the drum thing. Yeah, the rest sounds like terrible, right? <laughs> Jay, what about you? What are, what are you using at front of house? And are you? I mean, is what he's saying kind of? Yes, yes, same thing. Um, uh, SPX nine ninety that that gated reverb sound for sure. That's yeah. probably like half the snare drum sound. Yeah. Is that? 
um, which you'll hear later on today. And then, yeah, a bit of reverb, but a lot of these places we play are so reverberant that, you know, at front of house, you don't need to add too much to right. that already, unless it's a special effect for for a certain song, you know, like a ballad or something like that. But, you know, these arenas are, or even some of these, you know, amphitheaters are so reverberant that you're just adding reverberance onto, right. onto yeah. the room already. So, but definitely gated reverb and the snare. What's always. the, uh, what's the biggest, what's the, the biggest number on your pre-delay for a drum reverb? Are you guys messing with that very much? I mean, I go to 30. That's about it. I don't okay. go nuts. Yeah. I don't, Probably, yeah, probably like 20, 25, you know, okay. not, not much more than that. I want to know this. And Jay, were you with the 1975 before Francois? No, we both started at the same yeah. time. Okay, I was going to say, what is, what is it like on a band that, you know, what, I mean, what's that interview process like? If you're, especially with the modern guy, I feel like it's probably a little bit, maybe in some ways harder to please somebody, but what is that interview like? Are you just like, hey, come to a show and mix and then, you know, we're good. Well, I, we like you. We started like we got the call. Obviously, I kind of we started at the beginning of the, the campaign, so I, I we had rehearsals and stuff. So I did okay. like I came in almost a month early just to do all the rehearsal. Right. And the guy that was before me had a different. He had a different way of working, which yeah worked for him. You know, it was not really my thing. And I just kind of changed stuff. And the band were like, at first were like, really? Like you're gonna take all the wedges away? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, let's not do that. Let's kill those. Yeah. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, you'll be fine, you know? And I put subs in just so they can feel it. But okay. then, you know, I said, they'll clear your, your, your in-ears, whatever. And then they, they kind of went with it. And yeah, that's just that you, you have to kind of keep their, um, the, not keep, um, what's the word? I can't, I can't think of the word. Is You know, they... Um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going here. <laughs> okay. It's, so it's, you, not, it's, not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's so much an interview process. No. You, know, you end up, it's just pretty much, I mean, every gig I've gotten or we've gotten, I've just been off of recommendations of other people. So that's awesome. Um, you know, the other part of it is that just resume, you know, people, people will get, or a band or a management will get put five resumes in front of them and they'll, they'll look down the list and, you know, I got, I got the gig because I had prints on there and I had done prints for, for a couple months without getting fired. Nice. And uh, the band, the 1975 guys are all like real big uh, Prince fans. Okay. So I, I know I got the gig because that was on the resume. Yeah. As simple as that, you know. What about a Prince cover band? Would you, would, if it was a Prince cover band and I just put Prince on there, do you think I could get a, a gig this big? I think it'd be tough, but now that I met you, I would give you the gig. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd, me, I'd, have, I'd have to know what your settings were for the drummer. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, tell me how the tour was with Prince. And I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to talk about <laughs> that. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, if you guys didn't run sound for a living, what, what would you guys be doing? Or what would you want to be doing? Hmm. Anything else? I've always thought okay. about stopping to do, you know, quitting live sound and moving down to an island somewhere and just being a like a line cook in a like a bar restaurant. Okay. Just totally getting away and You like to cook? Doing that. I do. Is that yeah. Your thing? Okay. Yeah. Is there like a, a countertop stove in your green room and No. A little chefs? No, no. no. Okay. But uh yeah, I don't know. You know, sometimes we're just we're out on the road for so long, you know, for you know, four or five months at a time without going home and you're out there and you're just like, man. How long has it been 
right now i guess today how long have you guys been out here well this this cycle with 1975 when we like we've pretty much what we've been home for like a month total this year maybe 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 like 40 days out of the entire year and the rest of the time we've been on the road so this year has been pretty uh pretty brutal schedule but you know it's a we got a great great crew and the band the band's good you know they're nice guys so that helps but at a certain point you're just like another airport another hotel you know yeah Start thinking about that island and that uh huh that cut yeah, yeah. top, you know. <laughs> Francois, what about you? What would you be doing? I have no idea. I really don't know. Okay. I, well, I, you're I, such I, like a you're very like you've been to England. You're from Canada. Yeah, you're it'd be something. Tra- it'd be something traveling, Canada. I gotta travel. Yeah. If I stay home for too long, I'm kind of like. Yeah. What am I doing here? I um. Let's talk guitars. guitars. What are you guys running for guitars these days? We, it's funny you say that because we've we've come onto gigs before um, where we've either taken over for engineers who have left or um, what the, what the band's idea or the concept that they did last time. And for me and Francois, we we keep it so simple. Yeah. Uh, like there's a guitar amp, put a fifty seven on it. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's not cool. It's not flashy. It's not like. Yeah, you won't get an article get, in some yeah, magazine. Yeah. We get it. an argument sometimes with bands about it. They're like, oh, we need to have like, you know, the, the new condenser, the new whatever. And we're like, no, 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 no. So dude. just 157 on each amp? Yep. Yeah, well, we'll do, like, so 1975 is Kemper's. Yeah. Okay. So but last, last cycle, it was, um, last cycle it was amps, and there was uh, 57s. 57s, and then the, the Maddie, the singer, um, who was playing for like a JC120, we put two mics on there, so like a 57 and a 32. Yeah, so. okay. For that, like dynamic and condenser, you can pan one hard left, hard right, and it sounds slightly different. So you still can get like a kind of a stereo image. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it's just if it's like a stereo pair of amps or anything like yeah. that, like Queens of the Stone Age was all fifty-sevens. We actually Queens. We had other stuff to start. It was Telefunken to oh, start yeah, with, yeah. and we're like, just change that. Yeah. Fifty-seven. Wow. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, and it's, Kempers are like kind of take these amp modelers are I feel like are, you know, are taking it, over it's, the world, right? They really, they really are. I mean, for I'd say for ninety five percent of the stuff you're trying to do, you can you can nail it with the Kemper, and yeah, you know, just for consistency every single day is exactly the same. You know, you don't yeah. have to go up there and like you know on Queens, Francois will go up every day and do the pro focus and put his put his ears in and just move the microphone around as the as the tech was playing to find that sweet spot. Yeah. Where with the Kemper, it's just you know, you unmute it. That's it. You're, it's exactly yeah. the way it was in the country before. The, the thing is, you know, again, musicians like get really precious with like what mic it is or what type of guitars they're playing. Yeah. In an arena, you're not gonna hear that. Right. Just the little details. You just think about it. It's just you know, it's through a PA and everything. There's loads, of, loads of reverb. Yeah. You're not gonna hear the difference. Like, so so the guy goes in and goes, oh yeah, you know, Telefunken would have been a lot better on that. No, it isn't. You know, let's just make something that reject as much as you can yeah. and just get the sound. And so probably the most uninteresting podcast of audio guys because you know I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's like, oh, I use the you know this or that, and they're just like, yeah, we use 57s. No, no. Yeah. So Maybe with it's the, the same with like what they play. If you think about it, like uh, in, I was watching this um, this classic album thing, you know, uh, and it was Def Leppard, and they were talking about like when they were doing Hysteria. And, and the, the producer, Matt Lang, was just saying to the guys, just write songs simple. Make it simple. Just so when you're in arena, it sounds good. Yeah. Because if you try to play super fast, then yeah. you're not going to hear it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like, you know, like 
your amps or your I know I know it's kind of like it's supposed to be kind of all uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. it is true you know it's just it's the nature of what an arena now, if you're playing in like in a studio that's a different thing you know yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, you go nuts but so the Kempers you guys are using are you because I know you can get pretty specific with even the mic you're using and the cab and the distance that I don't know and the humidity I feel like you could change in it but like do you know much about the presets in those I know our 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 guitar techs um, have, have pretty extensive camper experience before. I know um, before this tour started, our one tech was uh, out with Duran Duran, and they, they he went in and they took all their real live amps into a studio and yeah. then modeled them, and like they yeah. had A, B between the camper and that, and spent like a week doing that. And I think he took ended up taking some of those presets or got a, got a feel of exactly how to get what he was looking out of the yeah. amp. And I mean... The same thing. This cycle, they went to a studio and rehearsed for a month before I showed up and dialed stuff in, and I showed up and like one or two small tweaks in a PA, but it was it sounded, I mean, even better than the the amps did. So yeah, it's good. It's good because you don't have this. It's clean. There's and are no you running stereos? So are you running two? Yeah, two of them. Well, the that's a stereo unit. So oh, okay, yeah, it just comes uh, stereo out of the back of okay, it. Okay, cool. Uh, and then as well, the other thing is that there's no stage volume. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, you mute the PA. There's nothing besides the drum kit. Yeah, it's which, like which, no need for backline techs or are starting. Oh, to... You do, you kind of still do because you know they have to tune guitars or right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but yes, they know. But yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's kind of a cool thing as well because if you're in a smaller band or you know don't have a tech or right, yeah, you can uh, you know you have this unit and dial it in and then just literally carry it carry this unit to a gig and just plug two XLRs yeah. in and it's exactly the way it sounded. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah at home for you. Um, what is y'all's home theater systems like? This is always a, a question. I know we we discussed it a little bit before, but the main reason I bring this up is because I'm hoping one day my wife will be listening to this and <laughs> she will maybe give me something like money to buy some sort of home theater system. But what is y'all's what is y'all's home theater system? <laughs> don't don't have one. Tell the people. So don't have one, yeah. Francois. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> See what I mean? Okay. Maybe I'll tell her not to listen to this episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Francois, what is like? What's your worst monitor mistake? My worst. Yeah, what's your worst monitor mistake? Hmm. I don't know, Jay. What's my worst mistake? Or Jay, maybe you have a monitor mistake. You. Uh, or maybe you can go front of house. Like, what? What? What is like a mistake you guys remember? Oof. I'll fill you guys in on, while you think of this. Yeah. On mine, I had. I was doing a. Um, I was in high school mixing this. It was like a silent night. There was a chorus of people singing silent night. It was just them. There was like, I mean, I was in high school. I was so nervous. And the, the, the microphone fed back at some point. And it was like, it was like if you mic'd a train horn. Oh, wow. It was that loud through the system. And I just, I thought I, I had just blown up the, the system. And I, had, I just muted it and I went underneath the desk and I was like, I just want to, yeah. I was like, Lord, let's go. Just take me now. I don't want to go above this desk again. I remember when I was working for the regional company, um, back when I was living in Long Island, went down to DC to do this big corporate event and they had a, uh, they had like a, a, I don't know, Bollywood band. It was a Bollywood event. Okay. And it was like, 48-channel band on stage, people everywhere, all wedges, ears, the whole thing. We did like two days of sound checks. The band had flown over from India, and I was on a PM5G and did the whole thing, dialed everything in. The band was really picky, got them all happy, and then did changeover, 
you know, show starts, and I don't know, I don't know how I did it, but somehow, like, went back to scene zero and deleted. Oh man, deleted this, and so the band walked out on stage after two full days of rehearsals of dialing stuff in, and it was like nothing on the console, not oh, even, wow. not even channel labels, right. and they walked out, and it was just like, well, here we go, and just had to start like just, and they were kind of freaking out at the bit at first, but just. Relabeled the desk with some tape and started pushing stuff up, and oh, some, somehow got through it. You know, man. But uh, yeah, definitely never did that again yeah. after that. <laughs> I've got two. I've got two. I've got two. <laughs> I found them now. So actually, it was a five D as well. One was with Passion Pit, and I didn't know that if you press the space bar, you would go to a different scene. And at the time, I didn't do scenes. I was just doing my scenes were shows. So number two was like the support band. And I, I was mixing, and all of a sudden my knee, because the, 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 the keyboard was just underneath the desk, whatever, hit the space oh, bar. And all of a sudden it's like, it's not what, I don't know what's going on, but it's <laughs> not it. The whole band just went, what is going on? I'm like, I have no idea. And then I looked and I just saw the number, I'm like, oh. And I put it back, I'm like, okay, we're good. <laughs> right. So that was one. And then the other one, similar to, to yours, was actually with this band, but last album cycle, they went to rehearsal and they were doing seven new songs. And my desk is, so Digico, you should always reload the file. Every time you, you, you start the desk, if it, if it came up, you got to reload the file because it could get corrupted or whatever. Yeah. So, I, um, so there's a function on there that you just can, when you turn it on, it's on a, on a blank state, you know? Yeah. So, and it, there was no autosave or anything like that. So anyways, I did the whole rehearsal thing with the new songs and everything. And uh, I was just like, cool, we're done. Shut down. I'm like, no, I got to save. <gasps> oh, man. It's gone. <laughs> so then I, I, I'm like, I'm calling the, the, the shop going, do yeah. you know, can we, can we, <laughs> I mean, do you have the auto save feature? I'm like, no, of course not. Like, like yeah, <laughs> oh, next man. time. I was like, oh. oh, man. But I managed to kind of, I knew what I'd done and I started from other from other uh, other songs, and so I, I I remember what I did. It's, so I it's, it's came all those back. things. It's all those things that you you only do it once, and you never do it again. Right. You know? Yeah. And then it's about then it's about faking it through, so no one notices. Well, no, so <laughs> right? no, but, but see, the, the, what I had that uh, for me is the fact that um, I was I always record the rehearsals. Yeah. So then I had multi track, so I came back and rebuilt everything. Yeah. So okay. like I said, I remember, but I mean, it's a lot of mixes. I took hours. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, maybe you guys, how much mixing are you doing during a show? Show starts. I mean, we've you, you talked about scenes a little bit, but is it? Are you doing how many? Are you like a scene? You're going scene crazy. Are you how much actual mixing, pushing up faders? I'm nonstop up and down faders. I'm nonstop. Nonstop. Yeah. Awesome. Of writing things and cues of click up and down and audience mics up and down and all kinds of. I don't. I can't leave the desk. Yeah. And I'd say for you that you're you're really the past couple of bands we've worked for like you're giving a front of house style mix yes. to the to the singer yeah yeah so that everyone else and correct me if I'm wrong but everyone else on the stage kind of you know still paying attention to them but their their stuff's all in the scene and then the singer I mean you're literally right you're the same thing I'm doing except for yeah. for his for yeah, his ears pretty much yeah yeah delay throws all kinds of stuff cool know. yeah okay it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yes, it wouldn't be something that if, if Francois couldn't make a gig, you, someone else couldn't come and just press next. Right. I mean, you could, but it would, right. it would not be the same yeah. you know, at all. And uh, what about you at Front of House? Uh, so with, with 
with 975, I have scenes, but it's only doing uh, keyboard levels and, and effects changes per song, and then everything okay. else I'm, I'm mixing manually. Okay. I did the whole last album cycle on an analog console. Okay. And, uh, and so this time around, we kind of ran out of inputs on, on, the, on the XL4. Okay. So I, I went with this, and just, just for ease, we, we split up all the keyboard channels, so now it's all individual. Yeah, everyone's got their own individual keys, so... It was easy to kind of automate that stuff, yeah. but besides that, I'm just I'm I'm mixing the the whole show. Okay, so I'd imagine there's probably like you guys make little not big mistakes, but there's probably like maybe not maybe there's not times you do this, but it feels like if I'm ever mixing a service or something, and I know there's a fill coming in, and maybe I just miss throwing some super cool delay or some reverb on that. I'd imagine at some point you guys are like. Um, not having maybe 100% perfect shows every single night. But I'd say when, for me, if I'm mixing something and I miss like a big Tom fill or I miss something I wanted to throw delay at, I like beat myself up over it. And then now I'm like, I almost get to the point where I'm like, this sounds horrible. This is stupid. This isn't gonna, <laughs> like I can't come back from this. And then I just like get down. But do you guys experience anything like that? And if you do, if you're like, oh man, I missed that. How do, like almost... I have a hard time talking myself back up to like, uh, like I don't know, just having a general good attitude of like finishing and mixing a show of just like, oh, I missed that one thing. And, you know, I, I think just like, oh, everybody probably heard that, even though probably nobody even really cared about it. But do you guys experience something like that? Or maybe you miss a cue or a little cue or something or a, a delay throw or something? I- it depends on how important that cue was. There's, I mean, I have like I have lots of cues. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you, you just can't because you're sorting out somebody else. Right. There's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a problem somewhere and everything. Yeah. You just have to kind of just go. Yeah, cool. You know, unless it's like it was super important and like the guy is throwing stuff at you. Right, and you just go. Ugh, you know, but no, usually I'm. You know, I think. A lot, of, a lot of times too, like you know, again from the monitor standpoint, is that like you'll you'll think something was a really big deal, right? Either you do, or the, or they'll be like, oh, I can't, like, ah, like freak out on stage, and then like after the show, they don't, they don't even remember, don't remember it, and you right? Go, yeah. Really? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, you made such a big deal, and it's like, no, no, not really. I, I know what you're talking about though, because for me, for like last night, we were in this terrible sounding toilet bowl of a of a college arena and. New Orleans, and I mean, it sounded awful in there. And you're just there, the first couple songs, like, right? I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna get this going. We're gonna make, we're gonna get something out of this. Mm-hmm. Then, like, five songs in, you're just like, you cannot do anything to make this sound good. And then, at the end of the night, you're just like, man, can I even mix? Like, that was so bad, right? And then, but then it's like you have people coming up and be like, man, that show sounded great. And you're like, really? Like, yeah. but you know, but at, at the end of the day, it's like you just you get through it, and there's another show the next day. Yeah. So. You have to be careful not to kind of get. It's easy to kind of get into your own head and just start. You know, it's like the concept of loud. Yeah. You know, like you do wedges and you just go, okay, cool. Well, I mean, I think that's loud. And then they say more and more and more to the point where at one point you just go, I don't know anymore. Yeah. Is that loud or not? And then you've got somebody else comes in and go, dude, this is insane. I'm like, yeah. really? I mean, it didn't sound that loud to me. Right. I'm like. Oh yeah, he's like, no, that's crazy. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I'll bring it down, I guess. But it's like, so, so then you just start like, kind of like thinking, well, what's the concept? Like, yeah. am I, am I crazy? Am I? Do I remember? Right. You just have to kind of just 
sit back and just stand back and just kind of think and go, no, 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 I think, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, how do you guys, how do you guys, two questions, how do you just stay up to date on gear? Like, how are you, um, like, I mean, things are changing, I feel like, a lot, but are you, is there like, a, is there an annual time where you're like, I'm going to reassess what board, what PA all this is and check out what's out there? Well, we see it like on festivals. Yeah. Because you see all the rigs and everybody, we're all nerds. So we all go, oh, what's this rack like? Mm-hmm. What's, what's in your rack? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, like, we had like, you know, like the, uh, uh, the catfish guy, like the, the audio tech was like, yeah, I like your rack. Like, yeah. Nice rack. Yeah, <laughs> nice yeah, rack, yeah. bro. <laughs> right. And then you start talking, I say, oh, yeah, what do you guys, you know, and it's, that's how you kind of, because everybody's just like you know, like if you you're just starting a new album cycle, yeah, you'll 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 get new new toys or whatever. Right. So then you see, oh, what's that one? I never heard of that one, you know. Or yeah, it, it, it's funny because for me and Francois, I've been touring together for so long that we've kind of kept the same. You know, I switched from the XL4 to an SSL console um, about a year and a half, two years ago, and I had it on Queens of the Stone Age, and then I literally took that rig and put it in the corner of the shop. And brought that exact same rig without touching it on a 1975. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you know you kind of know exactly what works for you and, right. and do that. But it's funny because Chris Raybould actually uh, called me up uh, a couple weeks ago because he's been doing a lot of stuff with UAD. Yeah. And uh, he sent me out a, a UAD live rack to play around with. And I've been I've for me personally I've never used plugins and you know it's everyone's kind of got their own thing. But right. you know, I, I have some an- uh, analog outboard gear out front and he sent me this thing and I was like well I'll try I know everyone's using these things I'll try it but you know I'm kind of set my ways and plugged it in a week ago and I gotta say thank you Chris because uh, I mean it sounds just as good as as the as that, you know, the real stuff. Yeah. And um, actually, I think it sounds a bit better just because there's no latency of the A to D and D to A right. coming back into the console. So, you know, every once in a while you find something and you're just like against it, against it, against it. And then you yeah. try it and you're like, wow, it's actually, it's actually really cool. Yeah. How are you guys? So, I mean, um, I'd be interested in what you would say for a monitor guy, but like, I, I guess we always talk about like, how are these big time front of house monitor guys, how are they getting better? Like surely it's not just like you you guys are done learning and you're not getting better as a as an engineer, but like you know in, in our worlds it's like we have a lot of volunteers that do pretty much everything, and so we're like constantly just in conversation with them. But like, do you guys have people that you're like like you're inviting Pooch out to a show and just being like, hey, can you tell me how this sounds or what what's it? How do you how do you guys get Festi- better? Festivals, a- festivals, because that's when you hang out with everybody. Yeah, it's like kind of like roadie summer camp, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see all your friends, work for other bands, and you're yeah. all there for a day and hang out. But you know, go out front, listen to people. But I mean, I think we're constantly, always learning stuff. I yeah. mean, yeah. Every, you know, everyone. And when um, we were on tour, it was we were doing Thirty Seconds to Mars, and we were uh, touring with uh, um, Lincoln Park, and so we got to hang out with Pooch all summer. And you know, there's a couple of days where I sat down with Pooch. I was like, right, it's like show me everything you're doing, and, and so you're always kind of going back and forth and you know, picking little things out of other people's stuff. And yeah. I think that's the coolest thing is that everyone who's so open, you know, no one's like really guarded about what they're doing. You know, yeah. everyone's pretty... Uh, Ask question and just, yeah. Yeah. That's what we, we all do. That, that's what I always tell, like, you know, I, I find anytime there's someone young who's getting into sound and wants to learn, you know, or like interning and they come up at a show and I always really try to take the time to, 
to talk to him because I was that person once. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the most important thing I say to him is just never stop asking questions. Like, there's no dumb questions. Like, you have a question, just ask it because yeah. uh, that's, yeah, that's the only way you're going to learn. You know, we've been doing this for we've been on tour together for ten years now, and I still go up and ask people questions or ask Francois like, "How are you doing this? What are you doing for that?" You know. Yeah. I think that's why we work together so well is that. You know, we'll ask questions of each other. It's like, what are you doing for that? Do you think that's too loud? Or you know, how did you how did you fix this problem in this song? And yeah. I think it's a really important important thing to be able to have a you know communication like that. Um, I think it's so interesting that you guys have done you guys have been touring together like so long. It I almost maybe I just don't know much about the industry, but I feel like that's not super normal to have at least two people just tour together for that long. There's a few. There's a few audio couples out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's Pooch and Tater. Yeah, Pooch and Tater for sure. Will Will Markwell and Christina Moon. I I guess what is it, what is it, why, I mean, I guess what made it click for you guys to be like, hey, we should just do this together more often. Well, actually. A a sea breeze. A sea breeze. (laughs) sea breeze. So I I used to make these cocktails every night. (laughs) And when I met him, Terminal Five. I was doing the cocktail thing, so I just came out. It was, was like, it was, you, it was love at first sea breeze. I was like, they, "Do you want to see breeze?" Nice. And it's like, and it was every night at the time. It was just like, I would, I would finish yeah, the gig, so I'd pack the desk, I would go straight to the dressing room, start making sea breeze, and come back out during loadout. <laughs> during loadout, the band, the oh, band wow. would make him do it. Yeah, the band was yeah, like, "Come so on, sea breeze." So I'd be like, going when I come out with a tray, and it's like sea breeze. What people are loading out? I'm like, what am I? What was I doing? <laughs> what was I doing? But anyway, and I kind of, I mean, I still do it now, but not as much. You know, we that don't do it every so day. But you find someone that you work well with yeah. and then it's like you know there's things we don't have to communicate with it's like when we when we started this new 1975 cycle it's like we didn't even talk about the input list we didn't you know it's just like he, he wrote it up he knows exactly how we both do things and how we patch things back and yeah. forth to each other so it's kind of like if, you know whatever gig we go on we know exactly what's going to happen yeah um and it's nice so i'm if there are wedges or side fills, like that's too loud, he turns it down. Same thing for me. If he's like, it, there's no like, f- you know, fighting back and forth or anything like that. Especially for someone you don't know, it could be tough. So it's just it's a better better experience, I think, for a band as well to have a team come in who's worked together for so long. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of times, I, th- I believe management companies or production managers appreciate that as well because they're like, well, you guys have been doing this together for ten years, so you know, yeah. obviously must be doing something right. So. What are some or, of, or both be doing something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the? I mean, you guys go to shows. What were some of y'all's favorite shows that you've been to? Hmm. I went and saw. Uh, I went and saw Chris mix uh, Bruno Mars, and I was just at the Staples Center, which is not that great of a uh, sounding arena. And man, I was just so blown away by that. Both by by Bruno as just a musician, and he's got you know his. I, don't, I guess it's his family in the band and stuff, and right. it's so and Chris Chris crush that mix so I was pretty blown away by that um, and then for me do you remember how loud the pyrotechnics were for that show uh, all the loud I all remember, the loudness it I was, was yeah. like every time they went off I was like it was. I feel like it was pyrotechnics and a concussion grenade and a sample yeah. of an explosion happening in the PA at the same time <laughs> it was, was like, so loud whoever's in charge of that that was the scariest thing yeah. I've ever been a part of uh, and Ramstein. Anytime Ramstein's in town or we're at a festival that's what I love doing European summer festivals to see Ramstein because it's, it's, that's pretty phenomenal. It's, it's, I bet it's literally perfect. Everything yeah. about it's perfect. You know, that's awesome. What about you, Francois? Any shows that you're like? You know, I I just go. I I, I don't go to nerd out. I just like where my good bands. Like where the bands I, I grew up with. It's all like you know, 
80s stuff. The like, Temptations. Go Toto. No, come on. <laughs> Four tops. Lou Reed. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so, you know, like, just to go out, I, if I go see things, like, you know, like, on a nerdy kind of thing, I'll just do it during the festivals, like, you know, yeah. like Rammstein and, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's so hard for me, and other people who do sound probably feel the same way, but to go to a show and not sit there the entire time and think about the sound. Yeah. It's like you go there and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is off and that is if- off and I would have done that. And like, for me, the, the perfect shows are the ones where I go there and sit through an hour and a half show and I don't think about sound once. I don't look yeah. in front of house. I'm not thinking about what he's doing with the whatever. Like when you go there and just watch the show, that, yeah. that and it's only happened to me like four or five times. Uh, but that's the most special thing for me, going yeah. to show and not thinking about sound. Yeah, it's usually because it's perfect. That's why. Yeah, because yeah. as soon as like, something is like wrong, you just go, "Oh man, what's this guy doing?" <laughs> right? Why? Uh-huh. <laughs> you just want to go and like in front of house. Of course, I don't. But you, yeah, you go. What are you doing? Like, right? Why is that kick drum so loud? Yeah, or whatever. You know, that could be anything. Like, yeah. You know? It's like this, this one time, this, this one band, I remember my girlfriend was like, well, I want to go, it was a festival. She said, I want to go see this band. Like, ah, let's go see it, you know. And this poor drummer looked like he was amazing. And I couldn't hear anything. I was like, dude, why can't I, the guy is just, right. and I was like, it was ruined. And my girlfriend was like, aren't they good? I'm like, no. I mean, they've got the potential of being great, yeah. but no. And yeah, that, that was that. ruined to me. And it's too bad because then it's like, yeah. And I actually, funny enough, I saw that band later and I was actually on stage and I could see it. I was like, actually, they're really good. Yeah. You know, so now I, I, I came back, you know, but uh-huh. it's just that mix ruined it. And it just kind of, so I guess also, you know, if you, I don't know, example, if you were a bus driver, yeah, on your day off, are you going to go like drive a bus? No. <laughs> you know, so, 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 so sometimes it's just like, if you're on tour, you know, every day and just, it's a bit like after a gig. Yeah. If I go, I finish the gig and I go into like the bus and the front lounge, like the music is like, I'm like, I've just been like two hours of like, just like getting canned. It's you know? di- for anyone listening as well, it's different for me and Francois than probably a lot of people because of the schedules that yeah. we tour on. That, yeah. I mean, like I said, in in 11 months, we haven't even been home a whole month. So we, we're pretty like, I mean, day in, day out, yeah. every single day doing this. And we, we still love it by all means, but, it, but it's... Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, like, you know, sometimes you just need to... But like I said, I'll go do, like, I'll go see bands that I really like. Right. You know, like, I mean, I like country music, so I'll go, I'll go watch a country gig. Absolutely. Shania Twain. Absolutely. Whatever, you know. Yeah. But um, I'm just not going to go see anything just because it's just like, yeah. the fact, oh, there's a gig on, let's just go. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, do we have to? Yeah, it's like I mean, it's like unless going, unless it's a country gig, then yes. Yeah, or we're in Nashville and go to well, Roberts Western World. Well, well yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> are like, you guys uh, head bobbers during these shows? Are you guys like getting into it at all? I will. I will. Um, if, if if I think you know, if I'm having a really good show out front and you know, the crowd's into it, I, you know, I find myself getting into it as well. You know, there's certain like in this 1975 set, there's certain points where it's, you can't help yourself. Yeah, I was gonna say their music's mm. like totally just like you just want to yeah. bob your head. Okay, let's end on this. Um, I, let's pretend that I'm out. I I, I volunteer at a church, and so I I don't know much about the road. I don't know much about that whole scene. Uh, although stuff I'm going to hear on podcasts and whatnot. Um, and I really want to do it. I want to do what you guys do. I want to go out on the road. I want to mix and I want to, you know, 
travel all the time and stuff like what are what are some things that you would tell me to i don't know just some tips or just some wisdom to to tell me for somebody who's like man i want to do what they do i want to go mix a band what's some important things you feel like they would they should know before they embark on that journey uh, I would say make sure you have someone who can who supports you at home for for being gone because uh, you know the, the hours can be pretty uh, pretty long and yeah. time zones being different. But I mean, I think if you want to do it, you should definitely you, you definitely have to do it. You know, I think the worst thing would be to want to do that and and not do it. Yeah, um, at least go out there, try it. You know, see see what it's like. And you know, for some people, it's it's a lifestyle that you know you end up doing that the rest of your life and others you do it for a bit and stop but uh um i feel like a, a lot a big part of it is just meeting people and like you know for example you're mixing people at your church and maybe some at some point that uh someone will come through and they're a touring person and you know you ended up doing a good job for them and you were nice to them and you know they remember you being a nice guy and did a good job and that's how you end up that's how i got my first tour you know they're like oh you did a good job and you're a nice guy you want to come out with us for the next three days and then that was I never came home after that. Yeah. So yeah, you, and that's the other thing is you never know who someone is or what connection they have. So yeah. Yeah, just treat people, treat people the way you want to be treated, and and always do your your best work, whether you like the music or not. Or and uh, never never talk poorly about someone in catering because you never know who's sitting at the table behind you. <laughs> yeah, we've. I mean, we've we've asked that question to so many people, and I feel like they everyone always says just be nice. Like there's just. It's almost there, like it's not like it's be almost, the best it's, sound it's, it is, engineer it is in the world because you remember the people that are not nice. Yeah, you know, like no, you, it doesn't matter how good you are. If, yeah. if, right. You know, there, there's people, there's people who are out on tour who are definitely not the best at what they do, or but they're just such awesome people that they keep getting hired because they're just good, good people. You know, yeah. so yeah. be a team player, and you know, um, you have to live with each other. So if you're in a bus, like you know, for like nine months a year, whatever. If you're not nice, I mean, you're you're with these people, like you know, tw- day in day out, like well, a hundred percent more than you're with your your significant other at home because at home you go to work, you know, you don't yeah. you don't see that person. You come home and you spend that time right. on tour. It's like you wake up, you know, Francois and I are two feet away from each other. We wake up and then we are with each other the entire day. That night, we go to sleep two feet away from each other. We yeah. wake up on a day off. We go to the hotel room. We go get lunch together. Better. Go do something in the afternoon. <laughs> go get dinner together, yeah. and then go to sleep. And then, you know, so it's you. You really, yeah. It's that, and it, and it, it kind of it weeds itself out because if someone is, you know isn't you know a nice person or it's just annoying to be around, they yeah. usually get you know kind of booted out because yeah, who wants to live with someone like that? So right, yeah. No, that's good. Well, man, thank you guys so much. I'm, I'm excited. You guys just became my favorite audio couple. And so I'm super excited to, to see the Aww. show, hear you guys. Uh, but man, thanks so much for taking the time to yeah, sit down and talk. Thanks. I think everybody loved it and I loved it. So thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Thanks.